0: Happy birthday, Nico, a life-changing thing, paranoid parenting, and much more on this episode of Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a mostly daily show about stuff. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it, and have an awesome today. Hi. Hello, my dear. Hi. 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 And hi. How are you? I'm good, as you can see, still fresh from the pool. (laughs) Happy birthday. Thank you.
1: Even though it won't be your birthday when people listen to this, happy birthday nonetheless.
0: It's that the the happy birthday has a dual meaning in the sense that today in real time is my birthday. Mm -hmm. But as people are watching, it is a day I gave birth to one of our progeny. That's
1: true. As you guys watch, it is the day of birth for Nicolau's Augustin. <laughs>
0: for Nikolaus Augustin teats, he's turning one today. So a year ago today,
1: June seventeenth, big belly filled with a huge baby. But
0: not for long. Remember we got up really early? Yeah. And got to the hospital early? Yeah. and By now
1: he was born. Oh, for
0: sure. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was fully here. In fact, I think the kids were probably meeting him about this time a year ago.
1: My mother already had because she refused to comply with requests <laughs> to stay the hell away until we invite you. Welcome you, to having family. You said it,
0: not me. I did. I'm still, still a little bit chafed by that. Well, here's the thing: it's not that we're anti guests in the hospital. I mean, having a C-section, we're almost always there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But she went ahead and came into the recovery room. Yeah, <laughs> it just never yeah. happened before. The
1: only non. Recover immediate family or hospital staff in that space.
0: Yeah.
1: She just bullied her way in. People like staff were looking at her like, are you supposed to be here? I'm not going to call it into question. I don't get paid enough for that. And they were right. They don't.
0: <laughs> but we made it through and we here did. we are. And Nico's a year old now. She's a year old. Can I just say this? I know it is so trite. I know this is so expected to say. Every year goes faster. I cannot believe Nico's a year old. I feel like I felt Daisy and even AJ's first year in a more tangible way. Mm-hmm. The twins, I literally don't remember their first year. No memory of it. Thank goodness for pictures because it was, I don't know. It's repressed. It's repressed. That for Nico's first year, I cannot, even with, like, the last quarter of it being under quarantine and us just being stuck at home, it's gone by so fast. It has.
1: Some of this, and this will be discounted way too much by most people, on average, as per the study that I just made up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you always do it. that to I me. did it. Literally, when I take a drink of anything... He lays the joke right
1: there. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some rounding just for the sake of conversation.
0: Okay.
1: If we were to assume that your first child was at the age of twenty, which I know isn't true, not by a long shot. but just hang with me. Okay. If your first child is at the age of twenty, then that first year of the child's life is one twentieth of your life.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: If your most recent child is at age forty, that is. 1 of your life. So it does seem to go faster okay. because it's 50% of the value before okay. all of that mathematics.
0: I never thought about it mathematically speaking, but that genuinely does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, to us, I say happy birthday to Nico. We and to you. It, well, I just...
1: I'm going to say it. I don't care.
0: I did the birthing part a year ago, but it was a joint effort.
1: A to year ago, it. today was your birthday, damn it.
0: Well from nico the birthing day tomorrow well
1: a year ago today as i talk in this moment was your
0: birthday and
1: i'm not done celebrating that i don't care if people don't hear this until after the fact (laughs)
0: still my birthday just like i wasn't born a year ago
1: but it was tomorrow was his birthing day
0: yes that's right
1: you're you're (laughs) conflating two false things
0: Alright, I, like I said, I've spent a lot of time at the pool today. I'm a little sunbaked, okay. well, so you, you, you guide it. us through this. I love you.
1: I Stop love you. being a jerk so I can love you. <laughs> got
0: it? I got it.
1: Happy birthday, you jerk.
0: So that means it's June 17th.
1: For you guys. hmm yes. yes. Now, one of the things that I have really appreciated through these introductory, now, call it two and a half seasons. Yes of this experiment is we don't have to declare absolutely this is what we are and then live up to some standard. The last thing that we either of us wanted to do as we began down this path of additional content was create another job. Right. We got plenty of jobs. Sure. Absolutely. We wanted to unleash the artist Mm. Unleash the talent. Okay. And let it go. So Mm. listeners have not complained as things have changed along the way. Or viewers, all two of you. Nobody's complained along the way to say, well, that's not what you said. But also I've tried Mm. in my producer role to say very little in terms of an absolute Mm. definition because the real definition of this is so small, hopefully, is to allow true artistic expression right and and to give permission to try something without being married to it forever right to decide if we like it or not and and so we had just pure conversation then we had just here's things that happened on this day and then we had the introduction of this book that turned into we only have time for this book because we're pushing so hard and fast but we're still just nestling into. You no, know, what do we? What do we enjoy? Because yeah. we, again, we don't need another job. Right. I already got the job. I don't need the other one.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: as we visited this morning, we came to the conclusion that trying to push too much book material at once—one was work to get through book
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a complicated day already. <laughs> Two was that it going that hardcore draws away from. Other stuff that we may want blah, 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 that we might want to talk about. Yes. And so it doesn't mean we need to throw the book in the trash can. That's a lot of control. I wanted to go redneck and say some other words there. We don't have to throw the book away. Right. But we don't have to feel pressured to be like, no, two, three, four chapters a day. <sighs> if you guys want to read the book, you're gonna read the book.
0: Right. You don't
1: need us to walk you through it. You're all Grown ass women.
0: That's true. You all are. To be fair, I was the one that wanted to condense more mm-hmm. in to cover more ground and move on to the next thing. That's sort of a personality thing. But to be fair, line.
1: I was like, okay. And we did. Yeah. But then we gave ourselves the permission,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully, to not feel guilty if something didn't go the right end up the way that we wanted it. In fact, in unity with the title of this book which is good intentions bad ideas Mm -hmm. as the sub subtitle subtitle of the book yeah it's like now we don't we we stopped liking it as much Mm -hmm. under that kind of pressure so we're still going to work through the book but at a pace that's enjoyable and including other things we're not as we see fit okay sounds good to me okay here we go here we go here we went there we are
0: all right the main thing I wanted to get in today was
1: Zico's birthday. <laughs> it is. For you guys. On the day that you listen. Time paradoxes and all of that.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that's pretty amazing. He's such a wonderful, painful human.
0: In what ways is he painful? You
1: could define that more succinctly but than I. But to you,
0: I, I can tell a lot of ways. He's literally physically painful, also mentally painful. But to you... The pattern he, he is insistent on his way all the way
1: right now, all the time, and occasionally it's just like, can I can I take it advanced and say you don't even have any hair down here yet? How are you making decisions <laughs> for the family, bro? <laughs> I hope that's not too racy.
0: He's a long way off from hair down there, but he does take that role
1: he is ready to be president of something
0: yes he is do you think that it's painful for you because his teatsness the essence of his mm-hmm. his determination I like to call it bumps up against your teatsness no you don't think so no, no.
1: the way I view it I I'm pleased with conviction and if you want to go the negative route, call it stubbornness towards an end. I was avoiding the word know, stubbornness. But it's not, it's not always a bad word. <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all. What bothers me and what will be amended through his growing up years is recognizing when you must defer Yeah. to someone else. Yeah. It's a valuable life skill to know. I can be an individual, but yet know if I want to remain gainfully employed, I have to defer in some areas. Right. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He'll learn as we have lessons daily with the other kids. Mm -hmm. As we've mentioned in the past, this whole weirdity of who has first rights to walk through a doorway yeah, and some things like that. These are just very valuable social things to learn. He'll get there. He will.
0: Do we have facts to cover for today?
1: We have no facts in terms of on this day in history, but what we do have is for the main show, a new sponsor who provided us with
0: possibly
1: one of the most life-changing things I know of.
0: I I cannot emphasize this enough. This device, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if you call it a device, this thing is a Mm life-changer. We've had a lot of sponsors come through sort of awesome, some I genuinely dearly loved. some I felt a little meh about. This is the one... This is no bullshit, you guys. This is just us talking. Yeah. This is not, not even the ad. Us yet. No, this is not even the ad. This is just us talking. It's a life changer. Yes. It's called there again. Wait.
1: Should we tell him now, or should we make him wait?
0: I thought we were going to talk about it.
1: We can. It's up to you. We Let's can. Talk we about can drag it. it out and make it miserably exciting.
0: Mostly, it's superstars who are tuning in at this point they get the inside scoop. I think we should talk a little bit about it because the ad doesn't even, I don't think the first ad runs until not this Friday, but the next Friday. Okay. Um, have you guys heard of Theragun? I hadn't, but when I I had to get on a sponsor call, this happens from time to time. They like some ad agencies like to, well, some brands actually, when I talk to the podcast hosts and tell them their life story. Yeah. And so, which isn't, it's not It isn't terrible. without value. I understand it's, that from yeah. a brand perspective. I genuinely do. Um, and so I hadn't gotten the Theragun yet. It came after. It came literally hours after I had this call with them. But they were talking about how, like, the founder of this company did not even get into this to make money. He was, like, so passionate about the fact that he had created something that he, a person who was a... Uh, had been in a terrible motorcycle accident. He, the only way he could find relief was through this thing he created. Mm-hmm.
1: And he was a chiropractor, a right? A Chiropractor, yes. But you can't chiropract yourself right. quite as well as someone else can. Nor can you massage yourself.
0: So I or
1: tickle yourself uh, for that matter.
0: That's true. You can't tickle yourself.
1: It's hard.
0: I told so the when I started the call with the um, the brand representative, he asked if I'd ever heard of Theragun, and I genuinely have never. But then when I told you later, I was like, look what we got. We got a Theragun, you were like, Oh, I know what this is. Yeah. So you've seen some videos mm-hmm. on the YouTube. Something. Okay. Yeah. So
1: some people, I don't know. Everybody has the things that are whether it's truly ASMR or just a thing that they're riveted by. For some people, that's the pimple popper videos. Oh, yeah. Which ain't, that's not my gig. I right. don't like that. Yeah. But some people do. Yeah. Um, I find this weird, I can't explain why, weird attraction to chiropractor videos.
0: This is such a, this is such a, a divide for us. Mm-hmm. You've been to a chiropractor. Kind of. You have. You've been to one. Kind of. You've gotten adjusted. Mildly. I've never been to one because I'm freaking terrified of them, not as a person. i sure they're, they're scary people. No, I'm sure they're wonderful people. Okay. I'm so scared of getting adjustments because I'm afraid, like, something terrible is going to happen and I will be paralyzed. That's the truth of it. Which never happens. No, but it is my fear. Anyway, you enjoy watching chiropractors do their thing? Yeah,
1: I don't know. Like I said, there I can't give you a logical explanation as to why. It's just a... It's a peace bringing I I enjoy. Maybe it's because I empathize with the relief that the patient's feeling. I don't know. Yes. Whatever it is, I literally can fall down in that hole and be like, cancel everything else. I'm watching this.
0: (laughs) So somewhere in the realm of videos about chiropractory. I have seen this utensil. You've seen the therapy being used Mm -hmm. or something similar to it. Mm -hmm. So I briefly used it on you in your office when it first came. (laughs) Yes. Just lock your shoulders. But then last night we fired it up for real. I yeah. don't want us to use all our words because we do have to record an ad about it. I will say, so I have this problem. It's on my left leg. It's really, it, it manifests in the form of foot cramps on my left um, calf and foot. But it's actually a problem from toe to hip on my left side. Yes. So Kyle not only did used it to work up my shoulder muscles and all of that, but he really worked over my left leg, which he sometimes does as a massage. And, but this, the, the Theragun treatment, I was like, I was literally speechless because it was so profoundly like I, I couldn't even believe how much treatment it felt like right. it was providing. It was, right. it was different absent, from getting a massage.
1: Absent the pain that can come with a massage right. where there's such high focus and intensity in a problem area, yeah, it was it was a much friendlier yes. thing. And I'm not saying that for her. No, she also
0: yeah, I worked you over, worked with me it.
1: over, and it was like, where have you been all my life?
0: So I'm just curious because I know a lot of times, and we've kind of referenced this on the show when I've talked about the fact that we have a massage table. Mm-hmm. And, And we, you know, we've talked about different massage therapy type things, but you have a lot of leftover from abusing, using and abusing your body for football and other Mm -hmm. athletics pain. Now that we're in our 40s, and it's not even just been in our 40s that you've had this. It's
1: been for 20 years.
0: Yeah. And so um, it's not just like, oh, gosh, I've been stressed at work. My shoulders are sore. You have legitimate lingering uh, injury and pain issues. Mm -hmm. Does that feel fair? Yes. So it's something that wakes you up at night sometimes.
1: Yes. Or prevents me from going to sleep. Right.
0: It's not just, again, it's not just like, oh gosh, my shoulders are so tight. The pain is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistent. Not only throughout the day, but it really seems to flare up at night. Right. So I gave you a a Theragun workover last night. Do you feel like it helped in any way, just with one treatment with the therapy? Yeah,
1: you know, and and obviously this is bad science to be like I I did it once and I started a <laughs> Fortune 500 company. That's not how it works, right? Right. But what I can say from that first treatment is that I was able to relax more quickly and fall asleep, and I slept for longer okay. than I normally do because usually I wake up because in pain. I'm starting to turn circles. In the bed, trying to reposition to alleviate, and you know, I slept a solid—I think a solid six—before I kind of woke up and then was able to fall back asleep and get another two. And that's, that's rare.
0: A good night sleep, for yeah.
1: You, yeah.
0: So we'll be talking more about it on the show. But genuinely, we, like I said, we've had a lot of sponsors come and go. This might change the trajectory of our actual personal lives. Yes. Yes. So we'll see. It's
1: a big deal. All right. You want to talk about this book?
0: Yeah, I'm just going to prepare you guys that the next two chapters, both this one, which is called "Paranoid Parenting," and then the next one, which is "The Decline of Play," were for me on a personal level, like I was the punching bag. Not in a bad. Nope. Not in a bad way. Just like every time I like every paragraph, there's another like. Oh my gosh. I see myself in these pages. Right. I don't, I'm not saying that in a shaming way towards myself because I know I'm not the only person of our age group who had some of these fears and concerns, who made these choices about parenting. I don't feel bad about it. In fact, a lot in a lot of ways, the parenting culture around me formed me and encouraged these thoughts and behavior patterns in myself. So I don't feel bad about it. However, unlike the earliest chapters when it's talking about, like, academia and university culture, and I haven't been on a university campus in well over 15 years, um, this would hit me, like, where I live.
1: Right. Well, and and rightfully so, because it's walking backwards from the university to say what happened with these individuals before they ever arrived on campus that may have contributed in a major way to fragility rather than anti-fragility.
0: In looking at Gen, also known as Gen Z, which is what I call them, and Daisy and is a big self-identifying general Zer. Mm-hmm. So Daisy is our 15-year-old, our oldest child, our guinea pig of parenting. And, like, there are points, I'm not even going to lie, in this chapter and the next one there are points I literally cried because I felt so emotional. I might start crying right now. Well, I, you cried because you had good intentions. I had good intentions. And yet I can – it. The the experience of raising a Gen Z a fifteen year old who you know was born in two thousand and five, it so lines up with exactly what the academic research is saying about mm-hmm. the parenting culture for this generation. That I both felt seen in a good way, and then also seen in a like, oh my gosh, what have we done? At least we have more kids so we can change more. Right.
1: right, we got a few more chances the younger here. Three. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So this chapter is called Paranoid Parenting. It's chapter eight of the book, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Coddling of the American Mind. The Coddling of the American Mind. Coddling
1: of the Mind. Yeah, American Mind. I
0: wanted to say the colloquial.
1: (laughs) The colloquial American Mind. It's
0: literally not the same. The Coddling of the American Mind. So let's talk about some of the high points for this
1: chapter. So this, the Paranoid Parenting is in fact the third explanation. We hit one and two yesterday. With... Polarization cycle, anxiety, depression stuffs. Yes. Um, when we overprotect children, we harm them. We are, children are, we are too, naturally anti fragile. So overprotection mm-hmm. makes us weaker and less resilient later on. And you want me to grab another point here before we go? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead okay. and another point. Children today have far more restricted childhoods on average than those enjoyed by their parents who grew up in far more dangerous times and yet had many more opportunities to develop their intrinsic anti-fragility. Compared with previous generations, younger millennials and especially members of iGen, which would be 1995 and after birth, uh, have been deprived of unsupervised playtime and exploration. They have missed out on many of the challenges Negative experiences and minor risks that have helped children develop into strong, competent, and independent adults.
0: Yes. So, overprotection.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm right there with you. Overprotection.
0: We're, my we're name is the March. <laughs> and it is an example of wanting the best for our kids yeah. for looking at our precious children who we adore and we love and wanting to take care of them in the best way possible mm-hmm. and keeping them safe. I can see starting from the time I started doing play dates with, with Daisy, when she was a year old or, you know, a little older, the complete hovering of the children and their play that was happening And minimizing risks, minimizing any negative experience they might have, not pushing them to believe that they could be strong and competent and independent from their earliest days. And we see the fruits of it. Can I
1: pick on me and then pick on you? Sure, of course. Okay. I, even in recent weeks, possibly even the last one, when I know that my children who we're trying to assign some responsibilities to very poorly, but we're trying. We ask them on our trash day to roll the trash canisters to the curb. I will stand at a window and watch to make sure they're safe for this, what is it, 30-foot journey
0: from, the, into from the where the, the end. trash cans yeah.
1: are stored to the edge of the driveway yeah. with my own internal fears that someone could stop a car and grab them and drive away yes. ridiculously so that I will stand and watch and that it, it hurts me to let go of them, Right. to let them go do that, which is so ridiculous. When, again, you look at the author, the author discusses this to a significant degree That in our childhoods, we were permitted to do much more. And when you looked at crime stats and all of that, it was a far more dangerous time than is today. So it's a very unwarranted, ridiculous thing. If they knew how frightened I was, they would be incapacitated.
0: Right. For you, the dad of the family who's Mm -hmm. not scared by anything, to know that it makes you nervous. Right. For our children in our own neighborhood, which is really freaking It's a very tame-date neighborhood. Very tame. Makes you nervous for them to push the trash cans out to the curb. Yeah, they completely freak out and just refuse to go out the front door. Right. Now, to pick on you a little. Okay. Yours
1: manifests differently as I see it. Yeah. In that you would avoid assigning a task to a kid, period, because you want their experience of childhood to be positive. Yes. With the... Not allowing them to make the judgment assessment that, well, if they have to do a lot of chores, they won't have a good childhood. They'll be bitter and angry and need counseling and stuff and things. Right. And both of this, both of us in these instances, to some degree robbing them of the autonomy, the free play, the life experience, the problem solving, the anti-fragile experiences... Right. That would actually prepare them because someday they're going to leave the home. They'll have to take the trash out. They'll have to clean the house. They'll have to do things. Are they going to go into the fetal position and require counseling then, not because of what they experienced as a child, but because of what they didn't experience. And now they're
0: being faced with these overwhelming responsibilities. Exactly. Exactly. And they go into, we don't have time and it's not really highlighted in our notes at the end here. But they go into really talking about and digging into the statistics of how much statistically safer Mm -hmm. the world is now. The culture in the United States is compared to when we were growing up. And yet our parents, who were largely influenced by a well-known pediatrician and sort of parenting philosopher, Dr. Benjamin Spock, who was like, very laissez faire very hands off mm-hmm. we'll go mm-hmm. let your kids go out and do the, what they're going to do which was actually pretty great wisdom our parents really did that and they kind of and they well and i think they really even reference that many of us people our age we get a kick out of seeing pictures of and remembrances of what childhood is like sure, in the 70s sure, and 80s yes. and we're laughing about you you have stories and i have stories of course of not even being belted in the car right. like no car seat, you're standing so- up
1: in the back seat and you're arguing and instead of having to turn around and spank you your parents just tap the brakes and catapult you into the seat in front of you
0: right yeah and we get a kick out of it we're laughing so like from from the actual safety things to uh, neighborhood experiences whatever they, our children's lives are so different from the, ones, right. the childhoods that we lived. Now,
1: I think we live, you and I live on the cusp, and I can't speak for what your life was experientially, mm-hmm. like I can my own, but I can remember, uh, the, and the author references two different instances of kidnapping, and then the the media fair, the movies, yes. the movements, the laws, all the things that followed. So I can remember in the 80s, because that's when these events occurred, some, somewhat I could now look at and say well this was the beginning of this cycle because right. I can remember a time where it was no longer okay for me to ride my bike somewhere by myself. Really? Um, to go do things and have true unsupervised play. It wasn't a complete denial of those things anymore but it was like okay so like when even at the point uh, in my teenage years when I was driving to leave the house my parents wanted to know where I was going to go how long I was gonna be there, who else was gonna be around. It was it was the first stages of this. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. Yeah. But it was the first stages of of what became this helicopter parenting of hovering over the top, and and certainly what in practice as a parent I've taken a step further with.
0: So like our parents were just like getting into the helicopter and they're like, do we know how to fly this right. thing? How does this work? Right. You and I, as parents, were more like, just, we're just going to take off and you know, we're just going to circle around.
1: Where's the missile controls?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So anyway, okay, let's keep going.
1: So you had helicopter parenting, but then also in combination with laws and social norms that began to make it harder to give kids unsupervised time.
0: Yes. Um,
1: even having... Which certainly had a negative impact on them. There was a negative thing pushed on parents that would allow and step back. Um,
0: Well, yeah. They even talk about the reference in the book. Many parents know that if you leave your kid alone in a car by themselves while you run into the gas station, somebody might call the cops on you. You can literally get your kids taken away. Yes. I can remember as
1: a... As misdemeanor or even felony in some instances. Yes.
0: I can remember as a middle schooler and a high schooler before I could drive, my mom going into Walmart or TGNY Mm -hmm. or whatever, I didn't want to go in. So I just sit in the car with the window rolled down and daydream and whatever. And nobody thought twice about it. And now Mm -hmm. if I literally have to run into the gas station, I'm like... I'll load them all up. Either I either have to take them all in, or I'm just like praying the whole time, like Lord, please don't let anybody right. call the cops on me. Not that I'm afraid that anything's going to happen to the kids, right?
1: And it's a big difference of you know leaving a baby for two hours well, in a rolled up yes, car in the of July heat. No, versus that's what talking about it, it's this perspective of appropriate stimuli, right? The appropriate stress for anti-fragility.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: One of the things the author references was an 11-year-old kid had said, Mom, I don't want to go into the store for this 10-minute trip. And this lady, yeah, law enforcement got involved, bad thing. There was one other that I thought was really interesting that had occurred in Florida where, uh, and I can't remember the age of the child.
0: He was like in middle school, I feel like.
1: Middle school kid. The parents had been delayed getting home. And so the kid got home parents weren't there to let him in the house he very happily and safely played in the yard for 90 minutes
0: I played basketball in yeah. the driveway yeah Just literally
1: enjoying life yeah somebody some nosy neighbor calls the cops all that mm-hmm. and when it was all said and done the kids were taken into the social care system yep. for a month.
0: Yep. Both both the kid who was left alone and then the, and the one who wasn't brother right. who was not. Yeah. And the parents
1: had to attend ongoing counseling and all kinds of stuff. And it was like, Wow. Yeah. Very abrasive. Yeah. Um
0: Well, and I think a great point to to really emphasize, I know this, I saw myself in this so much. When children are repeatedly led to believe the world is dangerous, they cannot face it alone. We should not be surprised if many of them believe it. Right. I saw myself in this so much because I have told the girls and the twins now that they're older and don't ride in the cart all the time. You got to stay with me. You could get kidnapped. Somebody could grab you. If you're not with me, if I can't see you, someone could grab you up out of this store to the point now where when I, if I take AJ and the twins and they, again, they don't ride in the cart anymore. They're seven. She's the one who's freaking out. She's like internalized this fear. We got it because mom, mom, they can't be on that aisle. And I'm trying to be a little bit more free range, but she's the one who's freaking out as a sixth grader because she's afraid somebody's going to grab up one of her brothers. Yep.
1: I want to bring one more story from the author in to kind of wrap up this perspective on things because I I can loosely identify with this. He told the story, and this was, uh, I believe, from another author during this era, um, a lady who had – hey, she had a young son and – She's trying to help other parents learn how to protect their children as they use public restrooms. Yes. And suggested going in there with them, suggested standing in the doorway talking to them for the entirety of the time that they were using the restroom. All kinds of things that are very socially unhealthy. Yeah. Really versus, and a lot more work than just trying to teach your kid how to identify a threat. Yes. On their own. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, man, Um, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but I will say that even today as a 40, almost 45 year old man, so men's restrooms are, are pretty friendly in terms that oftentimes there is a urinal trough. So you're standing shoulder to shoulder with no dividers and all of that. And in that environment, I can't go. It doesn't matter if internally my bladder is bursting okay. and I could die of sepsis and other things. If there's somebody standing next to me, can't go. Yeah, Guys call it shy bladder. Even if there's a metal partition, but literally the distance of Megan and I's heads, we can turn and look at each other. <laughs> I'm producing no water. And I I absolutely look back at... Life experiences, and and instead of teaching good judgment, teaching fear. Yeah. Uh, So that now, I don't even know if I could, if I were at a stadium in the middle of a ball game and had to go to the bathroom, I'd probably just have my bladder burst and die in the middle of the piss filled floor.
0: Really? Yeah. Do you think that's because you're, do you think it it ties into the fact that you have a fear of public? What could happen in public restroom?
1: It's, it's a latent leftover with no explanation in current day because nobody's going to try to molest me in public at this point. I'm not that attractive anymore. Even you find it difficult to okay. touch me or right. look at me for longer than a glance.
0: Yeah, sorry. Five children are certainly a <laughs> testimony <adjusting> to that.
1: <laughs> but I'm obviously not at threat now. But right. there's just this, still this weird psychology thing in the back. Maybe I should find a good hypnotist to help me through that. I don't know. So, or maybe I'll just avoid public bathrooms.
0: As a man, you have the option to find a quiet corner where you can do I? yourself. Do yeah.
1: I? You get caught doing that. It's a sex offense in some states. <laughs> that's and I true. start registering and all that.
0: Okay, let's move on.
1: Well, that's that's the wrap-up for me, unless you want to look at any of the remainder of this
0: well and it talks about the fact that i thought this was a really important thing from this chapter is it talks about the fact that kids do need to be exposed to stressors but there is such thing as adverse childhood experiences and stress and the the key thing is and this is the big takeaway from this chapter for me is that kids who are exposed to some stressors with parental support the, these are the kids that um, succeed in the in the sense that you have a parent who's there to say, like, oh, you're okay. I mean, if they, are, you know, truly are okay. You're right. okay. You know, that hurt. That probably hurt. You. Why don't you take a breather and then get back at it? Right. Get back out there. As opposed to when kids are in really difficult, stressful situations that is that can have obviously yeah. a, a long term negative impact on their growth.
1: Yes and kind of. So I will interject one last point that he brought to light was there there have been many studies to look at what would be truly classified as these are these are beyond what would have been good stressors that occurred. Yeah. and how did things play out and what they found conclusively was that even in the event that some things had gone too far barring you know, repetition and, and really horrible extremes, basically that you're, however you err, it's a little safer to err on the side of too much exposure than not enough. That Mm. that's still, there's still anti-fragility. There's still recoverability from that. There's still strength and positive adulthood from a childhood that had a few things that went too far.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so if you're going to screw up, you, you got some wiggle room. <laughs> on that side, but not on the protective side. Do
0: we still have wiggle room with a fifteen-year-old? This is what I'm asking. We myself. do.
1: I think we do, um, because it's still absolutely formative years. We do have room. Will it require some work to undo what's been done? Sure, but that's life too. Okay. Well, we, you, and I, obviously, right now in our forties, are looking at this material and realizing there was a mistake that can be corrected. So it's not too late for us to learn either. So that means certainly for a fifteen-year-old, it's not too late. That's true.
0: That's true. Okay. Well, this chapter and then the next one talks about the decline of play. Playing. uh, Don't spoil it. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just spoiling it right now. I'm just saying these two chapters. Spoiler alert. Speaking to me strongly.
1: They are. It's good chapters. Good stuff. Thank you for visiting with me today. It was nice to meet you.
0: On my birthday.
1: I hope that future birthdays are more enjoyable than this one. (laughs)
0: good birthday wish for anyone i hope your next birthdays are even better than this one right on thank you for that
1: you bet hey have an awesome today would you
0: please do scientists have found that some people do possess the ability to tickle themselves they suggest that this ability could be an indication that a person is at greater risk of schizophrenia i agree and so do i